A Collection of Letters, Numbers 4 and 5, from Love and Friendship and Other Early Works, by Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Letter the Fourth, from a young lady, rather impertinent, to her friend. We dined yesterday with Mr. Evelyn where we were introduced to a very agreeable-looking girl, his cousin. I was extremely pleased with her appearance, for added to the charms of an engaging face, her manner and voice had something peculiarly interesting in them, so much so that they inspired me with a great curiosity to know the history of her life, who were her parents, where she came from, and what had befallen her for it was then only known that she was a relation of Mr. Evelyn, and that her name was Granville. In the evening a favourable opportunity offered to me of attempting at least to know what I wished to know, for every one played at cards but Mrs. Evelyn, my mother, Dr. Drayton, Miss Grenville, and myself, and as the two former were engaged in a whispering conversation, and the doctor fell asleep, we were of necessity obliged to entertain each other. This was what I wished, and being determined not to remain in ignorance for want of asking, I began the conversation in the following manner. Have you been long in Essex, ma'am? I arrived on Tuesday. You came from Derbyshire? No, ma'am, appearing surprised at my question, from Suffolk. You will think this a good dash of mine, my dear Mary, but you know that I am not wanting for impudence when I have any end in view. Are you pleased with the country, Miss Grenville? Do you find it equal to the one you have left? Much superior, ma'am, in point of beauty, she sighed. I long to know for why. But the face of any country, however beautiful, said I, can be but a poor consolation for the loss of one's dearest friends. She shook her head, as if she felt the truth of what I said. My curiosity was so much raised that I was resolved at any rate to satisfy it. You regret having left Suffolk then, Miss Grenville? Indeed I do. You were born there, I suppose? Yes, ma'am. I was, and passed many happy years there. That is a great comfort, said I. I hope, ma'am, that you never spent any unhappy ones there. Perfect felicity is not the property of mortals, and no one has a right to expect uninterrupted happiness. Some misfortunes I have certainly met with. What misfortunes, dear ma'am, replied I, burning with impatience to know everything. None, ma'am, I hope, that have been the effect of any wilful fault in me. I dare say not, ma'am, and have no doubt but that any suffering you may have experienced could arise only from the cruelties of relations or the errors of friends. She sighed. You seem unhappy, my dear Miss Grenville. Is it in my power to soften your misfortunes? your power ma'am replied she extremely surprised it is in no one's power to make me happy she pronounced these words in so mournful and solemn an accent that for some time i had not courage to reply 
I was actually silenced. I recovered myself, however, in a few moments, and looking at her with all the affection I could. My dear Miss Grenville, said I, you appear extremely young, and may probably stand in need of someone's advice, whose regard for you, joined to superior age, perhaps superior judgment, might authorize her to give it. I am that person, and I now challenge you to accept the offer I make you of my confidence and friendship, in return to which I shall only ask for yours. You are extremely obliging, ma'am, said she, and I am highly flattered by your attention to me. But I am in no difficulty, no doubt, no uncertainty of situation in which any advice can be wanted. Whenever I am, however, continued she, brightening into a complacent smile, I shall know where to apply. I bowed, but felt a good deal mortified by such a repulse. Still, however, I had not given up my point. I found that by the appearance of sentiment and friendship nothing was to be gained, and determined therefore to renew my attacks by questions and suppositions. Do you intend staying long in this part of England, Miss Grenville? Yes, ma'am, some time, I believe. But how will Mr. and Mrs. Grenville bear your absence? They are neither of them alive, ma'am. This was an answer I did not expect. I was quite silenced, and never felt so awkward in my life. Letter the Fifth From a Young Lady Very Much in Love to Her Friend My uncle gets more stingy, my aunt more particular, and I more in love every day. What shall we all be, at this rate, by the end of the year? I had this morning the happiness of receiving the following letter from my dear Musgrove. Sackville Street, January 7th. It is a month today since I first beheld my lovely Henrietta, and the sacred anniversary must and shall be kept in a manner becoming the day by writing to her. Never shall I forget the moment when her beauties first broke on my sight. No time, as you well know, can erase it from my memory. It was at Lady Scudamore's. Happy Lady Scudamore, to live within a mile of the divine Henrietta. When the lovely creature first entered the room, oh, what were my sensations the sight of you was like the sight of a wonderful fine thing i started i gazed at her with admiration she appeared every moment more charming and the unfortunate musgrove became a captive of your charms before i had time to look about me yes madam i had the happiness of adoring you and happiness for which I cannot be too grateful. What, said he to himself, is Musgrove allowed to die for Henrietta, enviable mortal, and may he pine for her who is the object of universal admiration, who is adored by a colonel and toasted by a baronet? 
adorable henrietta how beautiful you are i declare you are quite divine you are more than mortal you are an angel you are venus herself in short madam you are the prettiest girl i ever saw in my life and her beauty is increased in her musgrove's eyes by permitting him to love her and allowing me to hope and ah angelic miss henrietta heaven is my witness how ardently i hope for the death of your villainous uncle and his abandoned wife since my fair one will not consent to be mine till their decease has placed her in affluence above what my fortune can procure though it is an improvable estate cruel henrietta to persist in such a resolution i am at present with my sister where i mean to continue till my own house which though an excellent one is at present somewhat out of repair is ready to receive me amiable princess of my heart farewell of that heart which trembles while it signs itself your most ardent admirer and devoted humble servant t musgrove there is a pattern for a love-letter matilda did you ever read such a masterpiece of writing such sense such sentiment such purity of thought such flow of language and such unfeigned love in one sheet no never i can answer for it since a musgrove is not to be met with by every girl oh how i long to be with him i intend to send him the following in answer to his letter to-morrow my dearest musgrove words cannot express how happy your letter made me i thought i should have cried for joy for i love you better than anybody in the world i think you the most amiable and the most handsome man in england and so to be sure you are i never read so sweet a letter in my life do write me another just like it and tell me you are in love with me in every other line i quite die to see you how shall we manage to see one another for we are so much in love that we cannot live asunder oh my dear musgrove you cannot think how impatiently i wait for the death of my uncle and aunt if they will not die soon i believe i shall run mad for i get more in love with you every day of my life how happy your sister is to enjoy the pleasure of your company in her house and how happy everybody in london must be because you are there i hope you will be so kind as to write to me again soon for i never read such sweet letters as yours i am my dearest musgrove most truly and most faithfully yours forever and ever henrietta halton i hope you will like my answer it is as good a one as i can write though nothing to his indeed i had always heard what a dab he was at a love-letter i saw him you know for the first time at lady scudamore's and when i saw her ladyship afterwards she asked me how i liked her cousin musgrove why upon my word said i i think he is a very handsome young man i'm glad you think so replied she for he is distractedly in love with you law lady scudmore said i 
how can you talk so ridiculously nay tis very true answered she i assure you for he was in love with you from the first moment he beheld you i wish it may be true said i for that is the only kind of love i would give a farthing for there is some sense in being in love at first sight well i give you joy of your conquest replied lady scudamore and i believe it to have been a very complete one i am sure it is not a contemptible one for my cousin is a charming young fellow has seen a great deal of the world and writes the best love-letters i ever read this made me very happy and i was excessively pleased with my conquest however i thought it was proper to give myself a few airs so i said to her this is all very pretty lady scudamore but you know that we young ladies who are heiresses must not throw ourselves away upon men who have no fortune at all my dear miss halton said she i am as much convinced of that as you can be and i do assure you that i should be the last person to encourage your marrying any one who had not some pretensions to expect a fortune with you mr musgrove is so far from being poor that he has an estate of several hundreds a year which is capable of great improvement and an excellent house though at present it is not quite in repair if that is the case replied i i have nothing more to say against him and if as you say he is an informed young man and can write a good love-letter i am sure i have no reason to find fault with him for admiring me though perhaps i may not marry him for all that lady scudamore you are certainly under no obligation to marry him answered her ladyship except that which love himself will dictate to you for if i am not greatly mistaken you are at this very moment unknown to yourself cherishing a most tender affection for him law lady scudamore replied i blushing how can you think of such a thing because every look every word betrays it answered she come my dear henrietta consider me as a friend and be sincere with me do not you prefer mr musgrove to any man of your acquaintance pray do not ask me such questions lady scudamore said i turning away my head for it is not fit for me to answer them nay my love replied she now you confirm my suspicions but why henrietta should you be ashamed to own a well-placed love or why refuse to confide in me i am not ashamed to own it said i taking courage i do not refuse to confide in you or blush to say that i do love your cousin mr musgrove that i am sincerely attached to him for it is no disgrace to love a handsome man if he were plain indeed i might have had a reason to be ashamed of a passion which must have been mean since the object would have been unworthy but with such a figure and face and such beautiful hair as your cousin has why should i blush to own that such superior merit has made an impression on me my sweet girl said lady scudamore embracing me with great affection what a delicate way of thinking you have in these matters and what a quick discernment for one of your years 
oh how i honour you for such noble sentiments do you ma'am said i you are vastly obliging but pray lady scudamore did your cousin himself tell you of his affection for me i shall like him the better if he did for what is a lover without a confidant oh my love replied she you were born for each other every word you say more deeply convinces me that your minds are actuated by the invisible power of sympathy for your opinions and sentiments so exactly coincide nay the colour of your hair is not very different yes my dear girl the poor despairing musgrove did reveal to me the story of his love nor was i surprised at it i know not how it was but i had a kind of presentiment that he would be in love with you well but how did he break it to you it was not till after supper we were sitting round the fire together talking on indifferent subjects though to say the truth the conversation was chiefly on my side for he was thoughtful and silent when on a sudden he interrupted me in the midst of something i was saying by exclaiming in a most theatrical tone yes i'm in love i feel it now and henrietta halton has undone me oh what a sweet way replied i of declaring his passion to make such a couple of charming lines about me what a pity it is that they are not in rhyme i am very glad you liked it answered she to be sure there was a great deal of taste in it and are you in love with her cousin said i i am very sorry for it for unexceptional as you are in every respect with a pretty estate capable of great improvements and an excellent house though somewhat out of repair yet who can hope to aspire with success to the adorable henrietta who has had an offer from a colonel and been toasted by a baronet that i have cried i lady scudmore continued ah dear cousin replied he i am so well convinced of the little chance i can have of winning her who is adored by thousands that i need no assurance of yours to make me more thoroughly so yet surely neither you or the fair henrietta herself will deny me the exquisite gratification of dying for her of falling a victim to her charms and when i am dead continued her oh lady scudamore said i wiping my eyes that such a sweet creature should talk of dying it is an affecting circumstance indeed replied lady scudamore when i am dead said he let me be carried and laid at her feet and perhaps she may not disdain to drop a pitying tear on my poor remains dear lady scudamore interrupted i say no more on this affecting subject i cannot bear it oh how i admire the sweet sensibility of your soul and as i would not for words wound it too deeply i will be silent pray go on said i she did so and then added he ah cousin imagine what my transports will be 
when I feel the precious drops trickle on my face. Who would not die to haste such ecstasy? And when I am interred, may the divine Henrietta bless some happier youth with her affection. May he be as tenderly attached to her as the hapless Musgrove. And while he crumbles to dust, may they live an example of felicity in the conjugal state. Did you ever hear anything so pathetic? What a charming wish to be lain at my feet when he was dead! Oh, what an exalted mind he must have to be capable of such a wish! Lady Scudamore went on. Ah, my dear cousin, replied I to him, such noble behaviour as this must melt the heart of any woman, however obdurate it may naturally be. And could the divine Henrietta but hear your generous wishes for her happiness, all gentle as is her mind, I have not a doubt but that she would pity your affection and endeavour to return it. Oh, cousin, answered he, do not endeavour to raise my hopes by such flattering assurances. No, I cannot hope to please this angel of a woman, and the only thing which remains for me to do is to die. True love is ever desponding, replied I, but I, my dear Tom, will give you even greater hopes of conquering this fair one's heart than I have yet given you, by assuring you that I watched her with the strictest attention during the whole day, and could plainly discover that she cherishes in her bosom, though unknown to herself, a most tender affection for you. Dear Lady Scudamore, cried I, this is more than I ever knew. Did not I say that it was unknown to yourself? I did not, continued I to him, encourage you by saying this at first, that surprise might render the pleasure still greater. No, cousin, replied he in a languid voice, nothing will convince me that I can have touched the heart of Henrietta Halton, and if you are deceived yourself, do not attempt deceiving me. In short, my love, it was the work of some hours for me to persuade the poor despairing youth that you had really a preference for him. But when at last he could no longer deny the force of my arguments, or discredit what I told him, his transports, his raptures, his ecstasies are beyond my power to describe. Oh, the dear creature, cried I, how passionately he loves me! But, dear Lady Scudamore, did you tell him that I was totally dependent on my uncle and aunt? Yes, I told him everything. And what did he say? He exclaimed with virulence against uncles and aunts, accused the laws of England for allowing them to possess their estates when wanted by their nephews or nieces, and wished he were in the House of Commons, that he might reform the legislature and rectify all its abuses. Oh, the sweet man! What a spirit he has! said I. He could not flatter himself, he added, that the adorable Henrietta would condescend, for his sake, to resign those luxuries and the splendour to which she had been used, and accept only in exchange the comforts 
and elegancies which his limited income could afford her even supposing that his house were in readiness to receive her i told him that it could not be expected that she would it would be doing her an injustice to suppose her capable of giving up the power she now possesses and so nobly uses of doing such extensive good to the poorer part of her fellow-creatures merely for the gratification of you and herself to be sure said i i am very charitable now and then and what did mr musgrove say to this he replied that he was under a melancholy necessity of owning the truth of what i said and that therefore if he should be the happy creature destined to be the husband of the beautiful henrietta he must bring himself to wait however impatiently for the fortunate day when she might be freed from the power of worthless relations and able to bestow herself on him what a noble creature he is oh matilda what a fortunate one i am who am to be his wife my aunt is calling me to come and make the pies so adieu my dear friend and believe me yours etc h halton end of a collection of letters